0: Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Good morning. Uh, I'm thankful this morning for the worship team here and getting to be led like that. And always when I would lead worship and then like Dave Buring would always be like, hey, can we thank the worship team? And I'd be like, oh, that's awkward. I feel weird about it. But now I get it. So can we thank the worship team for using their gifts to bless us, to, uh, to make Jesus easier to see, to kind of clear the air and just set the table um, for us to meet with God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm thankful for the worship team. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for familiar faces that we've got tons of history with and new faces that we have zero history with and everything in between. Uh, I'm thankful for my beautiful wife. I'm thankful for Allison. I'm thankful for Luke. He's the uh, Curly red-headed wild man that you may have seen running around lately with this gang of sixth-grade boys that seem to be taking over. I'm thankful for my son Levi, who's a sophomore at MTSU, studying music business while writing a novel, while playing in a band and learning multiple songs, and he's already better at basically everything than I am. Thankful for him. I'm thankful for the family that I grew up in. Uh, I was one of those kids that went from the hospital nursery to the church nursery, and then was there every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Guess who was Baptist? This guy. Um, Always there. I was the kid that was super excited to be old enough to go to youth group. Um, My first job was in a Christian bookstore. Yes, I am every stereotype. Like, I, I am that era. Um, I'm thankful that having been in church my entire life, that I love the church. That makes sense? Any of us that have been in church for a while, we've seen what happens when God uses people because we are the worst, but he uses us. And so I'm thankful to love the church and that that is unshakable. I'm thankful for a God who has shown himself to me in countless ways and consistently in the ways that I need to see him in that moment for that season. Guess what we're talking about today? <laughs> Christmas. Christmas. Thankfulness. You got it, Savannah. Um, thankfulness, Thanksgiving, uh, worship. We're going we're gonna to talk around those areas this morning. Now, as a church, we've been talking about being built together. Today, we're going to talk about worship and we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, which are spiritual practices that we can participate in, in this process of being built together. So who does the building? God. God's the one building the house. We've recently moved into a house. Um, We've never had a new house before, ever. And so it it had the new house smell. It, It was all the things. And one of the things that's been neat about it is watching in the neighborhood other houses being built while we're sitting in our house. And one of the things that I've noticed is none of the houses have built themselves. Not one. I haven't seen like a kit that they just drop off and boom, and it's built. I see skilled craftsmen and laborers coming in and doing all sorts of things that I have no idea how to do. So any house that's being built has a builder. You know what separates us from the houses in my neighborhood? God invites us to participate in the process that's weird. He's awesome. I just told you we're the worst. But still, he invites us. Um, so we can participate in this process. Now, I think there's something that's, that's important for us to keep in mind as we think about that, because we can get into, but wait, God's the builder. How can I do this? I can't save myself. I can't build myself. I, I just sit back. I'm the house being built. I don't do anything. And Dallas Willard, who is like one of my spiritual heroes, um, has a quote about this, about God's invitation for us to participate. He says, grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. You want to hear that again? Grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So as we talk about what we're going to talk about this morning, just kind of try to keep that in mind that the things that we're talking about have nothing to do with earning. They're just the beautiful gift of us getting to participate. Okay, before we go any further, I need to talk about um, a controversy, a thing where I've seen social media fights breaking out. There's relationships where people argue about this stuff, and I just wanna address it before we go any further. Um, I have friends that really argue about when it's okay to start playing Christmas songs. <laughs> when can you put up your Christmas tree? There's a whole tribe that are very I told you it's controversial, it's very demanding that it's like it's December 1st. Nothing before that. There's another tribe, oh, we're going to have a fight. There's a whole other tribe that's okay with Christmas music starting on January 1st and running through December 31st. It's just all good, all the way through. Here's what I'm going to say about all of that. Nothing. The main thing I want to say about that is that I don't want Thanksgiving to get missed. I recently discovered a friend who is the buddy the elf of a, of a holiday that's not Christmas, who loves this holiday. She's buddy the elf of a certain holiday. I am buddy the elf of Thanksgiving, I I love Thanksgiving. I love everything about it. So let me me explain my Thanksgiving experience. Having been in in full-time ministry, been at Grace Chapel Franklin since 1997, Allison and I were always involved in Christmas services. So every Christmas, we were in Franklin. But every Thanksgiving, almost every Thanksgiving, we would go home to North Carolina. And so I love that part. And I love the food the sweet potato casserole, my grandmother's recipe. It has sugar in the sweet potatoes because, you know, you need extra. And no marshmallows. This is brown sugar and pecans and more sugar and brown sugar and then some sugar. Yes, yes. Um, Turkey that my dad smokes. Cranberry sauce. Not the weird stuff with the chunks of cranberry the stuff that maintains the shape of the can when you take it out. All of the, all of the blessings, all of the good stuff. Um, Thanksgiving represents uh, family, cousins and nephews all out in the woods playing. It represents a time when for some reason I became this Russian character, Vlad, and we started making movies about Vlad and these children who were causing him problems. Um, Thanksgiving at our house contains the perfect television trifecta. You Ready? The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, the dog show, and then football all the rest of the day. Glorious. And then you get your turkey coma. It, it's a perfect day. I love Thanksgiving. So we're going to talk about Thanksgiving as one of our practices that we get to participate in. Um, the other one that I want to talk about, that we'll talk about, is worship. Both of these are, are, are communal Practices, they, they represent a community that's gathered together to express gratitude to God for the good things in our life. Does that sound like anything that you've experienced before? Look around. A community gathered together to express gratitude for the good things in our lives. It's what we just spent time doing. It's what we do together. So we're going to move in now into uh, talking about these two practices. Yeah? All right, I'm going to start with a scripture. This is going to kind of run through our time together. This is Psalm 100. It's going to be verses 1 through 5. A psalm of thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Let's pray one more time as we go forward. Lord, I pray that you would say what you want to say, that we would hear what you want us to hear, God, anything that's not from you, that it would just fall to the wayside. And God, we pray that that what you say to us today would bear fruit in our lives and that we would walk out of here looking more like you than we did when we walked in. Have your way in this time we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're being built together. We're gonna participate and we're gonna talk about worship first. Okay. Worship. Here's the uh, Webster definition of the word worship. To honor or reverence as a divine being or supernatural power. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor or devotion. Old Testament word, the Hebrew word for worship is shaka. This is a word that talks about to depress, to get down on your face. Can you picture that? Just like on your face, I'm not going to move, God. You are holy, um, to fall down flat, to, to be reverent, to, to stoop, to worship. That picture that we see whenever the prophets would encounter God in the Old Testament, and they just dropped their faces, filled with a wholly reverent fear. Now, there's a, a New Testament word. The Greek word is proskuneo. It has everything we just described in that Old Testament word, in that Hebrew word, but it adds the picture of like a dog licking its master's hand. Okay, one more controversial subject. Dog people? Cat people? Cat people, hang with us. I'm gonna talk about dogs for a minute. The dog people are gonna get this. Why I love that added picture when we're talking about worship is dog people, what happens when you leave and then you come back and you open the door and your dogs see you? What do they do? They go crazy. They flip out like they've never seen you before or like it's been at least 35 years and they're just so excited to see you. Sam, I can see Crystal right now, literally trying. If she could climb on top of your head to love you, she would. Dogs. Now, what happens then when you forget that you didn't go to the mailbox, and so then you go outside and you come back, what's the dog do? The same thing. So excited to see you. That's the picture that God paints for us of worship. It is both incredibly reverent and full of joy. Has anybody seen the movie Up? You remember Doug, the dog? that's so excited, you are my master and I love you. That's part of our picture of worship. Um, so that's, that's some definitions of worship and there's, there's a, a dynamic of worship that's gonna carry through with us that's gonna be important to kind of look for as we go forward. Uh, God initiates and we respond. So worship is responsive. We don't initiate worship, even if we think we do, we don't. Uh, God always goes first. Here's a few um, verses about that. 1 John 4:19. we love him because he first loved us. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God initiates We respond. You ever heard the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? The answer is God. God came first. God is always first. Um, We've gotten to watch this lived out in our home. Um, Luke, aforementioned redhead, grew up hearing, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, from his parents, from his older brother, from his grandparents. So when he was finally old enough to want to initiate and just tell us spontaneously that he loved us. He said, I love you too. Because he had so used, he'd become so used to hearing I love you that when he thought about love, he thought about, I love you too. I love you too. And so that's one of the ways that I think about worship is just looking at God, no matter what it is, and just saying, I love you too. I love you too. And so that is one of the, one of the, one of the tools, one of the, the, the things that God gives us, one of the practices, one of the spiritual disciplines is to worship him. And, and that's one of the ways that we can participate in this house being built. Now, the second thing that we're going to talk about, uh, second practice, is uh, thanksgiving. Now, do you want another Hebrew word? This one's super fun. Toda, You want to say it? Toda, toda, toda. One more time. It's fun. Todah. You know how to remember that one? What do people say sometimes at the end of a magic trick? <laughs> Todah! So it's really close. Toda. Thanksgiving. Um, in Israel years ago, I noticed at a McDonald's, because I have this weird habit of going to McDonald's every time I'm in Israel. Um, I, when I got my food, they said Todah. And it just got my my, my attention. This word, this, this gratefulness, this Thanksgiving is connected even today um, in Israel. So Thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude. The word tada uh, has this picture of an extended hand. Sounds like worship, yeah? Uh, it's an avowal, a declaration, an acknowledgement. Uh, it's adoration. It, it contains this picture of a choir of worshipers. Um, confession of praise and thanks. It's, it's an expression of gratitude for something we've received. Ian e. Bounds, who is one of these great spiritual giants of old, said, so Thanksgiving is but the expression of an inward conscious gratitude to God for mercies received. So that's a way to define Thanksgiving. Now, let's go back to our scripture. Uh, in a second here, we're going to go back to the scripture and look at Thanksgiving in the context of Psalm 100. But first, one more story. So we go to the beach every year as a family. The, the Thanksgiving crew uh in what has become known as Beach in May. We go to the Outer Banks, rent a house, and we're all together. And at some point during the 20-plus years of this tradition, a puzzle showed up. And so now there's typically like a 1,000-piece puzzle that throughout the course of the week gets put together. And if you know about 1,000-piece puzzles, like I have to have the box to be looking at the picture, and there's a bunch of those pieces that really look like they go together, but they don't quite. And so one year we were working on it and I was taking my turn and working on it and I put some of those pieces together thinking that I'd gotten it right. And it wasn't until I looked back at the box and I saw there was like a bit of distortion in the picture. Something wasn't quite right. And I realized I had to take some of these pieces and pull them apart and then put them in a slightly different place. And then as I did that, the picture began to look like the box what could that possibly have to do with what we're talking about? Here's what it has to do with what we're talking about. I have have talked about Psalm 100. I've taught on Psalm 100 as a worship leader for all these years. This This is like home base for a worship leader, talking about how we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And I'd even gone as far as to teach, and maybe some of you have heard this taught, that one of the ways that we access God, one of the ways that we're able to enter into his presence is by being thankful. That sounds right, doesn't it? It, It's like the pieces look like they go together. And so I was preparing to teach on this one time and something, you ever had that moment when you're gonna do something and you feel that just that little check, that little bit of God, just hang on, look closer, hold on. And so I decided to look closer and look and look and look and look at, at that particular verse. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And as I wrestled and looked and wrestled and looked, it's like God highlighted the word gates. And so I zoomed in even closer and looked at the word gates. What does a gate do? What's a gate for? Not a rhetorical question. Actual like in the room question. So keeping out or letting in, keeping out, letting in. That's exactly how I answered that question as I was sitting here and looking at it and thinking it through. And then the answer got even a little more specific the last time I tried to teach this thing and somebody came up to me after church and said, you know, actually gates aren't necessarily for keeping out. That's what walls are for. Gates are for letting in. If you didn't wanna let anybody in, you would just have a wall. Gates are for access. That's the point of a gate. Interesting, okay, gates are for letting people in. They can open, they can close. They're part of an access control system is a way that you can think about them. And so I started sitting with that. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter the gates, if the gates are open, we enter through the gates with thanksgiving. Now remember earlier, we talked about that God initiates and we respond. So are we opening the gates with our thanksgiving? Not if God initiates and we respond. So what could this verse mean? Why are we thankful? We're thankful because the gates are open. We enter his gates with thanksgiving because we are responding to the fact that God has swung the gates wide open. We enter into his presence with singing. We enter into his courts with praise. He's opened it all up to us. And so we respond. We respond with todah. We respond with thanksgiving because the gates are open. As I sat with that, I thought some more. Gate, gate, gate. What does that remind me of? gate. What's another picture of a gate in the Bible? There's got to be something. What is it? John 10, Jesus speaking I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I laid down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus has opened the gate and invited us in. I thought about another gate, even as I was driving here this morning. The gates that we see in the book of Revelation, made of pearl, a gate that invites us into heaven, into eternity, into eternal glory and bliss with our King. So we enter not as a way to, uh, we, we give thanksgiving, we give thanks not as a way to push the gate open, but as a response to the fact that God has already swung it wide open. And then we bless his name, we enter, we, we're thankful, we bless the name of Jesus, we bless the name of Emmanuel, our God with us, Jehovah, Jireh, our God provides, and on and on and on and on. We give thanks, we give thanks, we give thanks. Now, how do these things help build? What's the practical, like, it makes sense, right? Like we respond with thanksgiving, we respond with worship, but in what way does that help build this house? Um, First with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it changes us when we're thankful. It doesn't change our circumstances. Has anybody ever been able to thank your way out of a brutal circumstance? It doesn't change our circumstances, but it changes us in the middle of it. It doesn't open the gates. It reminds us the gates are open and that we can go through them. It reminds us to go into God's presence. Um, thanksgiving that's rooted in remembering what God has done can help sustain us when we feel like he isn't doing anything. Now this, this is very practical. Um, I'm going to share just a little bit of a piece of my story. We, we'll get into the whole thing at some point, but the small piece is I went through 10 years um, from around 2007 to about 2017 of debilitating panic attacks that would just show up when they felt like it. They were no respecter of what I was doing at the time, where I was, what I was in the middle of. They didn't care that it was beach in May and that my aunt was there and that we were out to dinner. The panic attack didn't care. It thought, this is an awesome time to show up. I remember the look on my aunt's face when I had to get up and leave the table. Um, they'll show up in the middle of you leading worship. Not really in the middle, at the bridge of the first song. Right there, they'll show up. And just hold on for the next 30 minutes where you feel like you can't breathe, and you just look at your wife in the front row and you mouth, help. And then you grab a hold of every one of those words, of every one of those songs, and you keep going. Fortunately, in 2017, in 2017, God healed me, and they were gone. I promise I'll share that story later. That's just a bit so you know that this story ends well. So let's talk about those 10 years, though. What would help in the middle of a panic attack? If any of you have never had a panic attack, hallelujah, bless you. The rest of us need you. We need you to pray. We need you just to hold on to us while we're in the middle of our bodies betraying us. So not much would help. I would try to Bible verse my way out of a panic attack. Not so much. Didn't work. I would try to rationally think my way out. Like literally nobody's trying to kill me right now. I'm safe. I'm in a good place. Nothing bad's happening. Didn't work. The only thing that ever worked was worshiping and giving thanks to God. And I would feel my body start to come back under control and start being able to breathe normally and it would leave. The only other thing that ever helped was medication. And if any of you have done medication for panic attacks, you know it is your best friend, but it's not really solving anything. It just makes it stop for a minute. But that's what thanksgiving, that's what praise, that's what worship has done for me in a very practical sense. I've watched my mother with the issues that she's dealt with. My mom was part of the last wave that got polio, right before the Salk vaccine. She got polio. She was seven years old and has spent her life dealing with the effects of it. And you would think that my mom would be a little worn out or maybe a little grouchy emotionally. I sure would be. 10 years of panic attacks made me a complete grump. Not super fun to be around. But Allison, can you attest to the fact my mom is the most joyful person on the planet? Diane, you've spent some time around her. I think you guys have met her. She's this gloriously joyful human being who thanks the Lord and notices what's good and gives thanks to him. And I've watched even as her body, her physical body is breaking down I've watched her spiritual house be built bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And that's the power of these practices. That's the power of what thanksgiving can do. Especially when we remember that it's not a requirement for access to God. Like you can just exhale. At least I do. When I realize, okay, I'm loved. Jesus has opened the door and now i can respond now the other thing that that may seem obvious but as the panic attack would let go a bit well then i just wanted to thank god more it's like this this beautiful cycle instead of a vicious one it's just this glorious cycle of oh thank you god thank you god thank you god And then it releases. And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. I worship you. Thank you, Lord. I worship you. I would remember who he is in those moments and set my mind on who God is to choose to be able to remember and to be able to thank him. I want to share a couple of passages, a couple of verses that... um, We've gotten here from the message translation just because I love the way they read when remembering who God is. The The Lord said through Isaiah in Isaiah 43, I, yes, I am God. I'm the only savior there is. I spoke, I saved, I told you what existed long before these upstart gods appeared on the scene. And you know it. You're my witnesses. You're the evidence. God's decree. Yes, I am God. I've always been God. I will always be God. No one can take anything from me. I make. Who can unmake it? Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's busting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. and Rivers in the badlands. When you're going through something, that right there, focusing on that God will help us walk through. The Apostle Paul said it this way, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration Prepared for us. These hard times are small potatoes. That's pretty good, isn't it? Compared to the coming good. Written by a man who had experienced shipwreck and a snake bite and who eventually died on earth by having his head cut off. He called all of that small potatoes compared to what's coming. Well, there's a lavish celebration coming, and that sounds an awful lot, like a Thanksgiving meal at home. Maybe that's why I love Thanksgiving so much. I have touched on this earlier, but I just want to hit it again. It it makes me think of home. It makes me think of home, of, of a place whose builder and maker is God, where Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you. Thanksgiving takes me there. Think about that. And it sustains me through the small potatoes that I'm dealing with today. Hmm. Now, I know that some of us maybe didn't grow up with a mom and dad in the house and a brother and family coming together and perfect sweet potato casserole. And that's not our picture of Thanksgiving. And maybe we don't even know where we're gonna be on Thursday um, and what we're gonna do And if that's not anybody here, it's for sure people that we know. So I would encourage you this week to keep your eyes open and see if you can collect a stray or two and find some folks who need to be with somebody on Thanksgiving in in this time. Um, Because there's times, man, we just can't quite work up Thanksgiving in ourselves. And we need this community of believers around us to be thankful for us and to remind us and to help us remember and sometimes to not say a word but just come sit with us and just be in it so we know we're not alone. I'm thankful for that community. I'm thankful for what God's doing here. I'm thankful for getting to watch last week as God just took over the service and said, you want to talk about being built together? Watch this. And we got to watch what he can do with people who are the worst. We're the worst. And yet, through each other, we see him. We see him. And we see him take over and do glorious things in a broken world, glorious things in a school gymnasium, glorious things. He's he's on the move He does some of his best work when maybe we think he's not doing anything at all and we can't see him at all. And he's working, moving, healing, always, always. So how can we make this practical this week? How can we experience the benefits? Oh, I forgot to tell you about one of the benefits of Thanksgiving. Multiple studies have been done, just scientific studies, regular old plane. These aren't Baptist studies. These are college studies and medical studies Uh, about the power of gratitude. I read about one where a group was assigned just to write gratitude letters every day over a period of time. And then another group didn't do that. And they watched what happened even with functional MRIs to this group that wrote the letters, the gratitude letters. And it started to change the way their brain was working And it started releasing more dopamine and more of the brain chemicals that bring joy and good feelings and help us be healthier mentally. They also watched bodies start getting healthier through the process, through the practice of gratitude. How good is God that the things that he asks us to do are good for us? You want to hear another one? Oh, good. Um... Singing, deep breathing. Part of why I think that that practice of singing worship songs would bring me out of a panic attack, what's one of the tools we get for dealing with anxiety? Breathing techniques. Have you ever tried to sing without breathing? Good luck. And I noticed I breathe in a very different way when I'm singing. I breathe from here. And there's a nerve right there that is attached to some of the fight or flight. And so without knowing it, I take a deep breath and let it out and I slow down and I sing and I start feeling better. One more, another study that was done. These things called power poses. This, you can hit the old Superman. Um, a study done that shows doing this 30 seconds. Do it for a minute. And your stress hormones start going down. And feelings of anxiety will start to lessen. Well, what's this a posture of for us? Worship. worship. Remember the definition of Todah? With an extended hand? So like God has hardwired us through worship and through thanksgiving to be better. He's built us in a way that the things that he invites us into aren't just a sacrifice to him because he's good. They're also good for us. Doesn't that just sound like God? So as we move into this week, as we move forward into this season, let's find a practice. Maybe writing a letter of gratitude every day. Do it for a month. See what happens. Um, Here's a great verse to use as a framework if you want something just to, to work from as we go forward. Philippians 4.8, I think we largely will be familiar with this old friend. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things so grab a piece of paper this week and just write down true, noble, just, pure, lovely of a good report, virtuous, praiseworthy and just fill in the blanks just find one thing and plug them in and then meditate on those things and think about them and remember and allow that to stir gratitude and worship in our hearts and then enter into God's presence, enter into his gates with that thanksgiving. Just a simple thing. But it's a simple thing that God has invited us into that we can participate in. All right, as we close, I just want to read this psalm one more time. Can we stand together? I encourage you to close your eyes. Just be present with God in the room in the moment. And hear the word of the Lord. A psalm of thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. God, thank you for that gorgeous picture of who you are, of what you do. I pray as we go forward, we go into the rest of our day, we go into our week, we go into this season of holidays, as we go forward, that we would keep in mind what is noble and just and true and pure and praiseworthy of good report, virtuous, all of the good stuff, Lord, that we would remember, not in denial of what's hard, but in celebration of what is good. and let that stir worship and thanksgiving in our heart that we will surely give to you. We love you, Lord, and we do bless your name. And we pray in the beautiful name of your son, Jesus, the gate, the open gate, the open door. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.